0: This is the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Traveling Green. We are committed to our students being known, knowing Jesus, and becoming kingdom workers. We hope this podcast serves to encourage, challenge, and to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. This is Green Student Ministries. So, for this morning, we are continuing on in our series titled Miracles. And we're looking at the signs that John writes about in his gospel. John is uh, one of the writers of a gospel. So there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's all this eyewitness testimony. And John takes apart seven different signs and miracles. So Jesus performs a lot of other miracles, but these ones are important to John. And John makes an effort to point these out and to spend time teaching about these because these are so important. Whenever we see Jesus do a miracle or a sign or a wonder, it points back to how Jesus is who he says he is, that Jesus is All powerful, that he is God, and he is this Messiah that the Jews were waiting for. So, this word Messiah, I feel like, is like this big church word. I think sometimes it's hard to understand what it means. Um, Really, it means the anointed one, Um, it means someone that uh, would come and to save the Jews from their sins. So throughout the Old Testament, we read about prophets who are predicting about this Messiah, that they're waiting for this person to come along and to save them, to restore them from their sin, to restore the earth earth, and bring about a new kingdom. And so this whole time, thousands of years are passing, and the Jews are waiting and watching for signs um, to see who this Messiah will be. They're waiting and they're watching. And God even uses people in the Old Testament to show like a little aspect of what this Messiah would be. There's lots of people in the Old Testament that are great role models for us to look at. And they have like a small little part of what this Messiah would look like. It's almost like a name brand versus a generic brand person. Like Jesus is the Dr. Pepper, and like all these people like Moses, like King David, are like Dr. Wow, or like Mr. Pib. they are all these like little parts pointing towards the more complete version, and Jesus is proclaiming that he is Messiah through these signs. So he wants to show the world that, yes, I am what you've been waiting for, I am the Messiah, the one who will save, the one who will bring about a new kingdom. But he also, in these signs and wonders, is wanting people, the crowd, watching and seeing him do these things to turn from unbelief to belief, that all these miracles and all these signs would cause people to believe in Jesus to have this faith, to see something miraculous with their own eyes and to be like, this shows that he is the Messiah. And now I want to follow this guy. I want to follow Jesus because he's the only one who can save. He is who he says he is. So as we look at each of these signs in this series, that's what Jesus is wanting to do, to prove to the people that he is the Messiah And he also wants the people to turn from unbelief to belief, to having this faith. And the sign we're going to look at this morning teaches even a little bit deeper aspect of what this faith should look like. And this morning we'll look at it and it teaches us that having faith requires you to believe without exactly seeing, to believe, to have faith without sometimes seeing it right immediately with your own eyes that believing isn't just seeing. Faith requires us to believe without seeing sometimes. And so as I was studying this passage, this idea of believing without actually seeing, it reminded me of an initiative we did at Camp Carl this year. So how many of you came to Camp Carl with us this past year? Yay, so many of you. I know some of, I had a cabin with some of you guys, and we even did this exercise where um, there's like, you're out in the woods and you're getting bit up by mosquitoes, but you're like seeing this like thing play out. It's like these like little trust exercises that you're doing. And one of the things that we had our cabin do is we come up to this place and there's like these huge wooden poles and like a bunch of string tied all around each other. There's like these big gaps and there's like lots of string. And the whole purpose was to have one person from the cabin stand outside of it, and then they choose one person to, like, give them instructions of how to get past from that point to this point, to go through the web of all the yarn and all this stuff safely to get to the other side. The whole point was the person who was choosing to go through the web had to have their eyes closed. So they were blind, they couldn't see anything, and they just had to trust that the person calling out the actions, like, bend down or lift up your right leg a little bit more, okay, now step forward, okay, now you're through. Like, they just had to trust the person giving them the instructions. They were blindly going through this, and my cabin did it successfully. I don't think anyone, like, tripped or fell or anything like that. Like, everyone was able to get right through with their eyes closed, listening to the person. All these people had this faith without actually seeing that they would get through this. And so this idea of having faith without seeing is going to come into play in this sign that we're going to look at. So if you have your Bibles, grab them right now and flip open to the book of John, and we're going to be looking at John chapter 4, and we're going to start in verses 46. So John 4, 46, and it's also going to be on the screen if you forgot your Bible too. So we're just going to read a couple of verses just to start, to get us in the mode. So as he traveled through Galilee, he came to Cana, where he had turned the water into wine. There was a government official in nearby Capernaum, whose son was very sick. When he heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went and begged Jesus to come to Capernaum to heal his son, who is about to die. So starting off, we're going to pause right here, just dig in a little bit. So right from the very beginning of this um, first sign, we see almost like a callback to a later one. We see Jesus traveling, and he's back in Cana. So if you were with us last week, we learned from Will that last week there Jesus already performed his first sign, which was turning water into wine in Cana. So we see Jesus kind of travel in this like circle, and John wants us—he like brings this up to our mind just to like remember what happened. To like bring to mind, oh yeah, Jesus like did already do a miracle here. He already performed a sign. He did something miraculous. He turned water into wine. And in doing that, he's pointing towards how he would ultimately spill his blood to cover up our sins. Oh yeah, I remember that part. So it brings to mind that Jesus has already done this. And that Jesus is Savior just to remember for us to understand. And I just think that's like just a cool little part of scripture that Jesus follows like the path back to where he was before, that he circles back. And maybe the people in this time were talking about maybe the miracle that they saw or heard about, um, which I think is really, really cool. But in this time, we are also introduced to this government official who lives in Capernaum. And that would have been like a day's journey from where Jesus is right now. So this man lives in Capernaum. So you would have had to travel a day to get to where Jesus was staying at this point. And we see this man um, come to Jesus, begging Jesus to heal his son who's very, very sick, to heal his son who's on the brink of death. And I think it's important for us this morning to try to understand the mindset of this man, to try to understand where this guy is coming from. This man is very, very desperate in this moment. He's desperate for a miracle. He needs something to happen. His son, whom he loves so, so dearly, is about to die. And he's looking for someone to help him and to heal him and to heal his son because he loves his son. So he's doing whatever is possible to find someone to heal him. So I don't know if any of you have ever been desperate for something, or something that you've really, really wanted something, and you're willing to do whatever you could to get it. I know there was a couple years ago, there was this eyeshadow palette that this YouTuber was bringing out, and I really, at the time, loved this YouTuber, and I thought the palette, like, the eyeshadow palette was so cool. It had so many cool colors. I would just, like, open up images of this, like, eyeshadow palette and just, like, look at it. And just, like, look at the beauty of it. There were so many bright colors. I was like, oh, I just really, really want this. And so the YouTuber was like, this is the date and time that this is going to drop, okay? Like, you can buy this palette only on this day at their certain time. And, like, I marked a reminder on my phone. I was like, I'm getting this palette. So help me. I will have this eyeshadow palette, and that I will be beautiful because I'll have this beautiful colors on my eyes, whatever. So the day comes and I'm like really weirdly stressed like all day leading up to like the time that he was going to drop this palette. Like I was just like feeling like sweaty. I was like, okay, I have to get this palette. And so like the time finally comes and I log onto the computer and like I go into a waiting room, like a virtual waiting room. And I end up waiting like an hour to like even get into this like YouTuber's online store for it. And so at this moment, I'm, like, panicking because I'm, like, what if they sell out? What if I can't get this palette? I'm, like, terrified. But, like, miraculously, I get this palette. And I'm, like, oh, I worked so hard to get it. And even when I, like, look at this palette, like, now, I'm, like, I worked so hard for this thing. Like, I gave up so much of my time. I was so stressed. I was, like, desperately searching for this. Um, I know that's kind of like a random example, but I think even for us, we have things in our lives that we're like, I'm willing to sacrifice my time, my energy, my stress to find a solution to this. I'm desperate for this. And maybe some of you are like desperate also for something to happen. Or maybe some of you are like this man who you know someone who's very, very sick around you and you're seeking and needing healing and help. There's like this moment where we can relate to this guy and be like, yeah, I've been there. I've been in a place where I needed something, where I wanted something so desperately that I'm willing to do so many things to get it. And that's where this guy is at. He's willing to travel away from his sick son to find Jesus with the hopes that Jesus would miraculously heal his son. And so in verse 48, we see Jesus's response And this response kind of struck me as I was reading it. So let's read it together. Jesus asked, Will you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders? And at this point in time, Jesus is talking to the crowd of people that are probably surrounding him at this moment. He's not just addressing the man seeking help for his sick son, but he's addressing this group of people. But as I was imagining myself in this story of what I would be feeling if I was the man, I feel like I would be like sort of just like, I would be like questioning or confused of why Jesus would say this, why Jesus would say like, well, you never believe in me unless you see miraculous signs and wonders. Because I feel like if I was the man, I'd be like, what do you mean I don't believe in you? Like, I traveled all this way. My son is so, so sick. I feel like you're going to help him. I need your help. Why? what do you mean I don't believe in you? I sacrificed my time and my energy to come find you. I wouldn't have done this if I didn't think that you could heal him. But what's important about this question that Jesus says is that Jesus is pointing towards a different kind of belief. He wants this man and the people around him to see that Jesus is calling us into a deeper and deeper faith. What this man was displaying in this moment was something called crisis faith. Like faith that only appears when you want something, or that you're asking for something, or that you're desperate for something. That's the only time that he wanted Jesus in his life, was to ask him for something. And this looks like a lot of different ways for us. Um, it's like when we pray only when we need something from God. It's only interacting with Jesus when we want something from him when we're in trouble, or if we want help. And those are good things to go to Jesus for. But we can't only have a relationship in a place where we're only asking for Jesus in desperate moments. Jesus is calling us into a deeper faith. And for those of us who went to Camp Carl, Nate even talked about this a little bit, this idea of only interacting with Jesus or God in a way, only asking for something, like he was like a vending machine. Treating Jesus like you just punch in the numbers and you only interact with him when you want this certain result. And then you go about your day and you leave. And Jesus is commenting that this is not the faith that he's calling us to have. Jesus is wanting us to have a deeper relationship and a deeper faith with him. Jesus wants us to come to him when we're in desperate need. 100% you should go to Jesus when something is wrong. That's so, so important. But if your only interaction with Jesus is to ask him for something in a crisis, then you're missing something. There is so much more to Jesus than just that. Jesus is calling us into a deeper relationship and a deeper faith with him rather than just being this magical vending machine moment. Because so when Jesus is performing these signs, he's doing so to prove that who he is and to lead others to faith. And in this moment, Jesus is trying to get this guy, this man, to have a deeper faith. A faith that isn't just in moments of crisis, but a faith that's all the time, that's a part of his life. And so we see Jesus do this, and then we see the reaction in verse 49. The official pleaded, Lord, please come now before my little boy dies. Then Jesus told him, go back home, your son will live And the man believed what Jesus said, and he started home. I feel like this is, like, the really part in the story that's, like, the really big part. It's, like, the part you should highlight, because it's so important that this man then pleads with Jesus, Please, come. My son is about to die. You need to heal him. And Jesus turns it around and tells the guy to go back home. Your son will live. And the man believed what Jesus said, and started home. We see the man then become this great example and model for what faith looks like. The man then chooses to believe Jesus at his word. He listens. Jesus proclaims that his son will live. And the man chooses to believe him. And he does something amazing. He turns and he goes back home. He chose to believe Jesus without seeing the miracle right then and there. He chose to believe Jesus without dragging Jesus to see his son. No, he chose to believe even when he couldn't see it. He chose to believe when the immediate answer wasn't happening. He chose something miraculous, which is to go back home and to travel a whole day to believe that Jesus was going to do what he said he was going to do. And we see the result of this in 51. 51. While the man was on his way, some of the servants met him with news that his son was alive and well. He asked them what the boy had begun to get when the boy had begun to get better, and they replied, Yesterday afternoon, at one o'clock, his fever, his fever suddenly disappeared. Then the father realized that what that, that was the very time Jesus had told him, Your son will live. And he and his entire household believed in Jesus. This was the second miraculous sign Jesus did in Galilee after coming from Judea. So we see the man coming back home, and servants are greeting him and saying that your son is alive. He's healed. He is doing much, much better. And what's cool about this is that it even includes like the exact time that the boy was starting to feel better, that the fever disappeared. And it's the exact same time that Jesus said, your son will live. And Jesus did so to make a point that this wasn't just a coincidence or just something that just magically happened. No, it was Jesus who did it. Jesus was the one who healed him from far away. He healed him yesterday. And he allowed for this boy to get better. And what's cool is that it's just not a coincidence that this proves that Jesus is who he says he was and that he can be trustworthy. And this then spurs that man to have a deeper faith, to have a faith that wasn't just in crisis mode, but to have a faith that Jesus is who he says he is. And we see this like life change switch in this man. And not only in this man, but in the household around him. That he then had this contagious faith that other people were able to recognize what had happened, and this caused them to believe in Jesus. So this, goes, this man starts off with this crisis faith, and it moves in the end to like this contagious faith, a faith that when he was able to share his testimony and to explain what Jesus had done in his life, people were able to recognize it and to praise God for it and to say that this is Jesus. He is the Messiah, He's the one who will save us and then choosing to follow after him. And so this is the second sign that Jesus does in the book of John. This is the second miracle that we're looking at this morning of this moment where Jesus chooses to heal this boy in a miraculous way. And so with these signs, there's always a response that is needed The reason Jesus did these signs again is to prove that he is who he says he is and to lead others to faith. And after reading these signs and learning about the miracles that Jesus performs, it requires us to have a response to them. And so I want to challenge us this morning to ask hard questions about ourselves and to look inward and to first to ask, how do you guys respond when you're in crisis mode? What do you do when you're faced with difficulty or stress in your life? And there's times when life comes, and sometimes when it's really overwhelming or hard. We all run to something. Maybe you try to avoid it and pretend like nothing is wrong. Maybe you try to fill other things up in your life. Maybe you try to distract yourself from the things that are happening to you or maybe even try to fix it yourself. But I want to challenge us and remind us that the, the only one who can save us in those times of trouble, and what we should do when we have these moments of crisis or we feel like the world is caving in, is to run to Jesus. When troubles come, Jesus is the only one who can save and heal us from these things. So do you run to Jesus in those moments? And do you run to Jesus not just in crisis mode? Do you run to Jesus in all aspects of your life? Do you choose to engage with Jesus not just when you need something from him or when life is hard, but when life is good too? Do you choose to enter into a relationship with him that takes part of your whole life? That is Jesus the person that you're running after in good times and in the bad times? And the second thing I want us to ask ourselves is, are we willing to trust Jesus in our times of trouble? We just learned about a man who showed faith, that he believed Jesus even when he couldn't see it. And this is where the man's faith got deeper, and he chose to trust he trusted Jesus even when he couldn't see the outcome. He trusted Jesus in those moments when he couldn't see it. So are you guys willing to do the same in those moments? To trust Jesus at his word, to trust that he is who he says he is, and then to trust that Jesus is the only one who can save us and that Jesus is, has what is best for you. Are you willing to trust him with your whole life in the good moments and in the bad moments because at these signs jesus does he declares who he is he shows these miraculous things that he can do but they require a response so do you believe in him after learning about this miraculous sign do you trust in jesus trust that he is who he says he is will you guys pray with me Father, we thank you for your scripture and how we can learn from you and how we can read about stories and passages of what you did on earth, Jesus. And reading about things that are supernatural and miraculous, God. And we thank you that we can take time to one first thank you for these moments that we're able to read about. But God, I pray that we each have a response to this that we're able to identify in our lives that if we truly believe in you, in the good and in the bad times, God. God, we thank you for loving us and for chasing after us and choosing to love us over and over and over again. Lord, I pray for this week for each of us as we go about our lives. Maybe some of us are off to work or off to school. God, I pray that you are a part of all of those things. They provide opportunities to learn more about you and to share your love with other people, just like this man shared to his household God. Father, we love you and we praise you, and all these things we pray. In Christ's name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Green Student Ministries Middle School Podcast of the Chapel in Green. If you have any questions or concerns, feel free to contact us at GSM at thechapel.life or Follow us on Instagram at Green Student Ministries. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening.